Hamilton to a bed with Steph. Episode 69, dude. Today's guest, Bruce Springsteen. Dave from Megan says, what do you think if you did a whole episode of you being interviewed about Bruce Springsteen? What do you think of that? What do you think of that? <laughs> think it's a good idea? <laughs> I know we had Bruce Springsteen last episode, I know. <laughs> yeah. Alright, what do you think of the direction of this podcast now then? You've taken my glasses off. You never get to do that. It's only because I'm holding the microphone with the other hand. Are you trying to put them back on my face? That's what you're trying to do. So you're not just going to snap them. Although these ones give me a headache, so it's all right if you do. Here we go. Here we go. One minute left until the next episode of Beverly That's me. Da, 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 da. Got you an audio calling me da, da. Yeah. yeah. This episode isn't sponsored by Unthin because it makes your hair greasy. Don't use it. And you know, a week ago, if you'd have pulled my hair like that, it'd have come off. That's me, and this is Mac and me, and this is Baby Steph! Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lessing Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. Joining me today in a timey-wimey episode, my afternoon, his evening, is Steve Mahoney. Welcome, Steve. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it is good to see you. Thank you very much for joining me. Uh, Tell us a little about yourself. Well, I'm from London, as you can probably tell by my voice. I've been a Bruce fan all my life, mainly from my dad, ever since I was, you know, born in the early 80s. And it was instead of lullabies and, you know, nursery rhymes, I heard the river (laughs) in Nebraska. So I'm a musician as well, probably because of that. Um, So I've played in bands for about 20 years in London and New York, actually. Um, I do a podcast myself, which is comedy interviews. Um, so I'm like being as an artist as much as you can in this day and age and big Bruce fan, you know, I was probably going to ask some, I won't give away my answers. I think the, the Bruce thing for me as well changed my life in that I moved to New York in 2009, met my wife there and, you know, so it's, it's really added to my life in like a factual way. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So, um, I'm like a transatlantic, 
someone said to me once in New York that I'm like a New Jersey guy from London. So nothing wrong with that. There, that must be true. Nothing, nothing wrong with that at all. So, yeah. uh, Steve, I always like to start at the beginning. So talk about where did you grow up? Uh, what part of England and what kind of music were your family listening to when you were, you know? Yeah, well, um, I'm from Harrow, which is, I often tell people as a joke that it is kind of the darkness on the edge of town. You know, it's, it's 15 miles out of the center of London. Okay. Uh, so if you go out of the center of London on the western avenue or the a40 there's there's kind of industrial parts there's wembley so and then there's harrow and i'm from harrow born there harrow is a borough of london but like in the very extreme so elton john's from harrow he's from pinner which is part of the posh part of harrow and so what my what my parents listened to was my dad probably you know like <laughs> 60 70 percent bruce he was also a big faces fan rod stewart and pub rock kind of um huge who fan and then my mum was into motown and my dad's also into soul music so um i'm also a big bobby womack fan just because of my parents because that's what i heard growing up and marvin gay and diana ross and stuff like that so a mixture of kind of british lad rock springsteen and kind of motown uh 70s stuff there was a lot of good music. I'm very grateful to my parents for that, actually. You didn't go through a spell where you're rebelling against their music, I take it. Um, not well. In the 90s here, we had Britpop. So yeah. I was a huge Oasis guy and like a mod guy. My dad was a mod as well. So that's like in my, in the 90s, that was Paul Weller and a band called Ocean Colour Scene. And I was hugely into all of that. So I, I never rebelled, Bruce, but I didn't quite get it as much until the late 90s when I was actually a proper Bruce fan myself is after Britpop so I wouldn't say I rebelled but I was still into sort of British guitar pop like Oasis and stuff which and the 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 Bruce thing was kind of there but it was like a I didn't you know like um you know like some f music fans will be like they are with football fans or something I'm yeah. a I'm a Giants fan or I'm an Arsenal yeah. fan or something like that yeah the Bruce thing was there, like, oh, I'm a Bruce is in my heritage. Yeah, <laughs> but I never yeah. rebelled. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, it is kind of right that um, normally, if your father was a, uh, you know, in baseball terms, a Yankees fan or like a Manchester fan or you know an Arsenal fan, right? Like your your family, and then every once in a while you get the the little brother. Or something like, no, I'm going to pick, uh, you know, I'm going to be a Red Sox fan or I'm going to be yeah. something, you know, something else just to be crazy. Yeah. Uh, well, you mentioned it, Steve. So I think that's a good transition. Can you remember when you, you, you talked about you've always known of Bruce? So I usually ask the question, when did you first discover Bruce and what about him spoke to you? But I'll twist it a little bit with you. When did he first come from being this back of your mind always there to all of a sudden hey wait a minute this mm. is something a little bit more than i thought it was if i go from 84 yeah the born in the usa album i know a faint memory is that i had these things called j cloths are they called that in the states they're like dish cloths i tied a dish cloth around okay. my head yes. to do the bandana okay so good. I, I don't know but as a matured musician music guy I love the live video of Murder Incorporated from the 90s. Mm -hmm. 
that was going on whilst there was the British Britpop Oasis thing. But to be honest, when there was that 9-11 telethon, you remember when he played My City of Ruins there? Yeah. I found that really moving. And um, I'd already seen him a couple of times live, but as a kid. And I think when it's when he live is when it really, you know, the people say it's people who love Bruce Springsteen and then people who haven't seen him live. Yeah. So uh, well, I remember that performance was a big thing for me, but it was part of like the whole grieving of that, wasn't it? That yeah. performance. But I thought, wow, that was something else that, you know. Because what I always say is there's two types of people, the people that go go to their first Bruce show and go, wow, that was long. And then the others that say, oh, my goodness, when can I do this again? Right. Yeah, my wife would say it's a bit long. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you are I don't get this a lot, but I do get it sometimes. Um, you know, I was a casual fan like everyone else in America, born in the USA. Uh, the River was the first time I really knew him, you know, Hungry Heart, uh, but kind of had drifted off. Like not just 89 was when we had our son. There's other things going on. And um, I remember that telethon very strongly and seeing that and it was, oh yeah, this is amazing. Yeah, how did I forget about Bruce Springsteen, right? And then uh, 2002 was the first time I saw him live. I saw him mm. on the Rising Tour. And I went, that that stumbled into now that I'm doing a Springsteen broadcast, that I'm, depending on the day, uh, my family will be kind and say I'm passionate, and other days they will say obsessed. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's good to, but it's like if it gives something to your soul, you know, like yes. I need Bruce uh, YouTube videos in almost like a therapeutic thing to change my mood, you know. Uh, yeah. So that's what it's like for me and probably for my dad and probably for you. And uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, in fact, um, I was visiting my brother and uh my brother's not doing well and uh so we i was there on friday visiting with him in houston which is about a three or four hour drive away and as i left um you know i had tears in my eyes and i you know and i had to play i'll see you in my dreams mm. in land of hope and dreams yeah right and then okay you know kind of now now we can go on to other music now i can listen to a podcast to drive that four hours but yeah. i i do i i um i so i i, I love how you're saying you're i think for a lot of us that is medicine for our soul you know they have chicken soup for the soul you know bruce springsteen for the soul i think that's really well said steve Very nice. yeah and i think he understands pain <laughs> Yes. And someone would say, oh, this guy's got all this money and blah, blah, blah. But it's not about that. He's suffered in his own way. And that's kind of there in the defiance of the music and um, why people there's there's a he's a magician in a way that I don't think he even gives himself credit for, you know, because he'd say he puts on his dad's clothes and it's all a stick and all that. But he's onto something that touches people. And men, especially whether they're from New Jersey or Dallas or London, it's so interesting to me that he has got something that, you know, people tap into and it it just helps them, you know, emotionally. Interesting. Well, it's that great line. And, and 
most people enjoyed the Blinded by the Light film. I, I, I really loved it. And I and I was lucky enough to talk to Gunder, you know, the director. But mm. that line at the end where the hero's dad says, I think this man is Pakistanian, you know? <laughs> and, 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 yeah, and, he understands. Yeah, it's yes, like, he uh, understands. And, yeah, you know, yeah. and there are, uh, I've had people from all over the world join me on mm. the podcast and they have that, I, I relate. He speaks my language. Yeah. You know, um, there's actually an article out there that Bruce Springsteen, lesbian icon, <laughs> you know, wow. <laughs> and it just, you know, you would, you know, here's a, at the time, 60 year old white straight guy, but is speaking to this other group. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, you mentioned seeing a couple of young, like when you were young, I guess your parents took you to a show, but t- I always like to preference how many times you've seen him is not a fair barometer of how big of a fan you are, Mm. but for the record, do you count? And if so, how many? Well, I did, uh, just earlier (laughs) and I've done 14 shows. Okay. Um, the first was Bramall Lane in Sheffield in 1988. And that's the only time I've been to Sheffield. I was with my dad, and my mum, and we went to the gig at the stadium, Ton of Love tour. I remember for some reason that he played um, Light of Day, and I remember saying to another kid that we were with, this is not a real song, this is like, and my dad went, no, it is a real song, because, you know, going 1,000 miles and all that, that's yeah. kind of, uh, at the time, I thought, is this a song? What is this? This is like a yeah. rap or something? Yeah, it's exactly, so, yeah. yeah. But I was at that one, and yeah, there's 14 other gigs all over the world that I've seen. I don't know if you want me to go across them all. Or So what's the furthest you've been to see him? Well, the furthest from London is probably uh, New Orleans Jazz Festival in 2014. Uh, yeah. I was at that one. Just getting my little list here. I mean, I was at Madison Square Garden 09, the River Show, which is probably the best show I've ever seen. That was uh, the was, first time, and, and at the time, he said, we will never do this again. Yes, right? like, so we it felt very do- special. Yeah, then he did a whole tour of them, but it, it still yeah. was special. Yes. But for me, the fact that it was unrehearsed and yeah. Clarence was there, yeah. and it was felt very special. I mean, I knew it was, it was rehearsing that later, but if someone was to ask about the set list question, what songs I haven't seen, they're probably all the rockers on the river. So like I'm a rocker, yeah. Sherry darling, all of that. I, I got to hear them that night. So that's why that's a huge night. And I didn't think I was going to get in someone on the back streets website, um, helped me out there. And I was really trying to get in. Were you living in New York at the time? I was. Yeah. And I think it was easier to get to into the next night, which was the wild innocent show. Okay. But I made it into this show and I was on my own and it felt mm-hmm. amazing. Uh, yeah. And I saw them. Another big one was the new camp in 2008, Barcelona, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. where I went after being at another festival in Barcelona for the weekend. So a bit of a boozy weekend. And me and my friend found our way onto the pitch on the floor because we had seats in the nosebleeds and we kind of just cheekily went through. And I remember that gig, he played... I'm going down as a complete audible and the place just erupted. I'll never forget that. Like, cause you know, obviously the Spanish fans is kind of like a different deal. Yeah, <laughs> the sure. whole thing's like some fiesta, mm-hmm. you know, but I do remember that 
not explicitly, but thinking this is just that few minutes where he played that the whole place went crazy. So I digress, but there's a few. No, 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 no. Yeah, the furthest well, I've been is kind of Barcelona or USA from so London. Talk to me about going to Jazz Fest. Um, New Orleans is one of my wife and I's favorite cities. There is so much wonderful food and culture and music, even when it's not Jazz Fest. So talk mm. to me about how did you decide to go there and tell me the experience. Right. Well, why do we decide? It's a place me and my wife both have wanted to go. God, we just went. I don't know. We saw the lineup, which was mm. also had Bobby Womack, okay. Arcade Fire. I'm trying to, there's a lot of Dr. John, I think we saw there. Okay. A few people that their last sort of gigs were there. And obviously, yeah, New Orleans is like the happiest place on earth, which is a big thing for someone from London because we're not the ha we're, but we're a cynical bunch, you know. So when it's just yeah. pure happiness on the streets, people blowing like wind instruments in your face and drinking margaritas in the street, that's kind of what we need. So I, I recommend it. Yeah. Um, but the show was sort of the Sega Sessions type show where he was doing the high hopes thing. So I wouldn't say it was my favorite Bruce show, but the atmosphere was amazing. And do you know, at that uh, festival, I really enjoyed going into me and my wife both enjoyed the gospel tent, probably the most, you know, speaking of uplifting stuff. Yeah. You know, cause that was like a stage with 40 voice, brilliant voices singing, you know, live and passionately. I have been, I have talked to multiple people who were there the first time he did jazz fest. That was after Katrina, yeah, doing the Seegers, and and they have talked about how special that was. That even though they've seen multiple shows, just the circumstances of him being there uh, was pretty crazy. So um, it is on my bucket list to do. Uh, it's two weekends, isn't it? So there's kind of yeah. two right. chances. And yeah. I remember we got the train uh, unbelievably from new york we got like a 20 30 hour train yeah. uh, so that's how we got there what are your thoughts on some of the later stuff i, I want to hear favorite albums and such but you mm. know the western stars letter to you the covers album only the strong what are your thoughts on this this last hat trick he sent out I'm very positive about it, and it's very easy for fans to be cynical. Oh, it's not as good as uh, 77 to 87 or whatever it is. Um, but especially this trio of, of albums I do like a lot. Um, the Brendan O'Brien stuff I'm not as keen on, but mainly because of the production. There's still great songs there, but I, I can't. It's kind of a bit like there's an Oasis album called Be Here Now where it, they were chastised for that one because it was too loud, you know? Yeah. So I feel a bit like that about some of the Brendan O'Brien ones, but I do love Western Stars. It's a moody piece. It feels a bit to me almost like a, a Nebraska type thing with the production at the other end. So it's fully orchestrated and, and, but it's still story songs that are quite dark, you know? Moonlight Motel is amazing. The opener I love. To me, it felt like um, I'm a big fan of the TV show Justified, and mm. it was based on Elmer Leonard uh, novels. And I said it felt like an Elmer Leonard or a Zane Grey, Louis L'Amour, you know, this American West. I agree more than Ghost of Tom Joad, more than Devils and Dust. Western Stars feels more like a collection of short stories the same way Nebraska did. But as you said, with the beautiful 
arrangements. Uh, did you enjoy the film? Yes. Um, the film stuff, Letter to You as well, I haven't been... I enjoyed the Letter to You stuff of the making the album. I almost wanted more yeah. than that, more of that and less of the kind of voiceover, you know, um, yeah. panning stuff. But yeah, I, I enjoyed the film. Yeah, it's always good to because I don't know when we'll all hear those songs again. So it's good yeah. to have that film of the Western Star stuff. Yeah. Letter to you, I loved. But um, what my memory of that album is here in the winter of twenty 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 one. I used to run like five times a week, and that would be my running album from okay. track one to like uh you know with Power of Prayer around there, <laughs> where yeah. I couldn't run anymore. About twenty minutes in, I stopped, yeah. and I love that. On the opposite of the Brendan O'Brien stuff, the live kind of E Street, I think that's his best sounding album since the 80s. Um, so I loved it for that reason. And then the Soul one, love it as well. I think it's kind of a pick me up before Christmas. And yes. like, it's not very fashionable, happy music now, um, pop music across the spectrum. And so to hear someone doing pure happiness. Or uplift. I mean, the songs are quite, you know, they're about being dumped and stuff, aren't they? But yeah. it's kind of uplifting, and that was like medicine that was required, I think. So they're very different, obviously. But writing-wise, I like Western Stars. Production and like performance-wise, I like Letter to You. And then kind of just as a fun thing, I like the Soul one. Yeah. What I love about it is that he's doing something very different creatively to have such a three diverse albums really says that at his age, he's still thinking creatively and still like, what can I do different? How do I keep myself from being bored? The rumor is we won't get anything from Western stars on the tour. That makes me a little sad. I would have loved anything. Um, but it does sound like we're going to get the rumor is that we're going to get multiple letter to you songs and that they're going to throw in a couple of the soul covers. So that will make me very happy. Mm. I suppose it's different when you're at the show, you know, right. the set list, you see them and like, Oh yeah, I've seen all this before but when you're at the show. Cause I think the direction of the show, uh, depends on the reaction to the songs being played. Like I was at the last show was Wembley stadium 16. I was at that one. And interesting because I yeah I think he came, he opened with seeds or maybe he opened with a piano song didn't really work and then yeah. did seeds and then I it was it wasn't a river show it went all over the place and the, it, he was responding to the audience so I'm sure that will happen again and but yeah the Western Stars it's like Ton of Love isn't it you get yeah. one every now and then yeah but not you know not enough for someone that's seen him a lot <laughs> yeah and you know what's you mentioned the audible of that. Uh, that happened to me when I was in Houston. Um, a guy had a one step up sign, please do one step up. And he did mm. it and they were unrehearsed. They just, you know, and, and in fact, if you, if you Google one step up Houston, um, you will hear him say, we do not know this. <laughs> <laughs> you have made your bed, sir. Uh, and then they did a great job because they're the East Street Band, right? They're mm, just mm. they're they're all gifted musicians. Mm. Yeah, I think I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. But that it, makes it exciting as well when you're there. It does. Yeah, it does. It's almost part of the performance art, you know. Yeah, it really is. So let's talk a little bit 
did you always have the bug that you wanted to make music? Uh, since the age of about 14, I got okay. a guitar. My mum got it for my, I think, Christmas 95. Okay. And it was part of the Oasis thing, which okay. I think in America, it's not quite realized because at that time it was still different. What was in the charts in the UK and the US, but they were huge. It was a huge thing, especially if you're at that kind of um, impressionable age, 13, 14. So I learned music out of copying actually Noel Gallagher, you know, the older, more grumpier brother who used to do an acoustic set in the middle of the show. And it had people like me thinking, I'm surely I could do this because it's his was just strumming. It wasn't like, coming out with Bruce where he comes out and he's got a different tuning and it's picking and slides and all that. So the bug came from the Gallagher brothers really with me, because they're from a similar like Irish descent, working class background. And it's like, if they can do it when they, you know, they, before they were in a band, they were doing like construction jobs and stuff that kind of influenced me to do it. And then I moved on to people like Paul Weller or Neil Young and they're more accomplished playing. But I don't know, it's, performance is interesting because I see my son who's like copying us and being a bit performative. And I don't know where it comes from, but does something for me. Because obviously you can analyze yourself and go, am I a narcissist or an attention seeker and all those sort of negative things. But it's like if it's something you enjoy and you can entertain people, it's kind of that's what it is. I've analyzed why I do it and all that sort of thing. But um yeah, but it, I don't know if it comes from Bruce. What happens with me is I do have a band here called the Milkshakes that I do gigs with, and that's very Bruce, I think. It's very kind of, and even a little bit Little Stephen, because I have a couple of, I have my wife and another lady who is like singing back up in a soul way almost. Sure. So um, the Bruce thing has influenced me in a live sense, and uh, probably the Oasis guys and Britpop guys gave me the bug to start doing it at that age, you know, and it's not been easy to pass 10 years or 20 years and maybe to be a musician because there's no money in it. You know, <laughs> uh, it's kind of, I'm at, I'm at the grassroots end where I've run music nights here in London. I ran a night called chalk farm folk for seven years. I think it was. And I know a lot of musicians and we're all kind of in it together. I'm a grassroots guy, you know, I remember um, I actually went over and played at the Clearwater Festival in Asbury Park in like 2007, I think it was. And I was in a similar thing. There were the sort of guys from New York were there as well playing, you know. But the bug, where it came from, was probably a mixture of Britpop and my parents' music, you know. Because my parents aren't performers. Yeah. They're like music fans, you know. The performance side. My granddad played accordion. He was an Irish guy who played accordion around the house. So nice. might come might come from that a bit. You know, it's the Irish performing singing in the pub thing you know what i over the past few years um i've had a lot of musicians join me on the podcast and like around especially starting in 2020 during the pandemic you know i would have them and i'd say how do you promote your music right like normally and and i assume this is the same in the uk but you 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 get enough together that you you get a little CD with a few songs, you you press them, uh, you then go to a gig, you you hope enough people like it that at the end they go, 
hey, Steve, I'll give you, you know, 10 bucks or whatever, 10, you know, eight pounds or 10 pounds for the CD. And you hope you get enough money to buy the fuel you need to get to the next gig. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and all of a sudden you can't do that because everything is closed. Right. Mm. Did the pandemic. Was it did it spurn you creatively or did it fuel your creativity or maybe a little of both? It fueled the creativity because I stopped playing live and I wrote a new album actually that I've got coming out. Okay. Um, that's very, it's like the albums I did in my twenties, which are kind of live and more on the tunnel of love, mm -hmm. Nebraska type thing than letter to you or something. Okay. So I wrote more. I did the, a podcast where I spoke to other musicians and just chatted about things like this. Mm -hmm. But to do it for a living, I've done it a few times where you can become a cover act and go and play at a pub. And especially if you've got a PA system and get sort of 200 pounds or something. And then you end up playing covers to people that aren't really listening and stuff. Or you can um, travel in a van around the UK and anywhere but London's actually quite good for this. Places like Liverpool and Glasgow yeah. and Birmingham are quite receptive um, so I've done that and you can, but it's all very much, um, yeah, one town to the next and you have to enjoy what you're doing. And when you do things like have babies or, you know, have different responsibilities, it's kind of different. So the way I see it is that I'm doing something that kind of feeds my soul to do music. It's kind of a, a project based thing where this album I'm doing road trip three, I've got a, a gig and I'm going to congregate friends, fellow musicians will join me on stage and that's kind of it <laughs> it's not something that's going to like fill my bank account or anything like that but it's kind of like self-expression i suppose like bruce did this you know i'm not bruce or comparing myself to bruce but he did this soul album didn't do a gig spoke yeah. to graham norton spoke to jimmy fallon or whatever and that was it you know yeah. there's a few music videos so he might even feel the same really that obviously there's friends I have that travel around Europe playing shows and, you know, they break even and they've sold CDs in like um, houses or in, in Germany or something, you know, to get there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't know if I'm, my long winded answer is, but yeah, it's changed. But for me, it's something I do to actually, if I'm doing like a sales job or something, it evens out my soul. If I, sure. if I just went and uh, I don't know, worked in the city here or something like that i've done loads of sales jobs you know i've and when i do that funnily enough i end up doing an album because it kind of i have the money to record the album but also it just helps me exist and know that i'm not just a cyborg or something you know sure so let's um so let us go back what are some of your go-to albums or songs that have meant a lot to you that you like i have my little list of when I'm, I need to be motivated. I listen to this. I, you know, this is my kind of bundle of joy that I kind of keep, you know, as a power pack. How about you? Um, well, it's changed over sure. the years. You know, the right answer for my dad is the river, especially side two. Yeah. For me, my Bruce album is born in the USA. I have to say, I mean, yeah. and the song born in the USA, there's a YouTube clip I have ripped on my phone of the full performance, which is like mm -hmm. 10 minutes. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that counting he does at the end is actually at nine minutes, not yeah. at three or four. Yeah. So I have to say Born in the USA, the performance, because I think it's just the most unbelievable band performance on record, in my view. Um, I will say the Riverside 2, like my dad. Uh, Stolen Car, I love. Like, um, you know, have you seen the film Copland with Stallone? When yes. he puts on... That's that felt familiar to me when I saw that. Almost like I saw my dad doing that in the eighties, putting yeah, the thing sure. on at the end of the day's work. Uh, tougher than the rest, huge. It gave me the gimmick as a musician of playing the harmonica at the end. You know, mm-hmm. you know, there's loads of little things like that I've taken. My my harmonica influence is Bruce, and uh, bit of Neil Young. Growing up is pretty huge for me. I used to play that in my first band mm-hmm. when we were like twenty one. And, you know, one final one I'll mention is the working on a dream rap. Would you call it a rap? You know, in the live version, yeah, rap, like literally. So the sort of we're going to take the sadness out there and bring some hope. And like, yeah, that's like a really good therapy session. Just hearing that. Um, So when he did that at the gigs, I thought that, I, you know, the song's okay. I, I like the song, but that bit is special to me because I think it's a brilliant piece of motivational speech. But, you know, in terms of albums, it's born in the USA. Also love The River. Also love Darkness. I mean, it's tough, isn't it? I'd, I'd go through. I have a I have an affinity for songs throughout the catalogue. There's, no, there's not an album to me that is uh, useless yeah. <laughs> at all. Oh, one more thing I'll say. Sorry. Yes, please. The Darkness on the Edge of Town performance live on the dvd or whatever it is when they're in the theater the empty theater that to me is something really special as well if that was to be classed as an album one of my favorites because it's like the core band isn't it it's the the original band playing it just a six piece maybe yeah Uh, so that's that's big for me If, if i was to put that on that's yeah rocking are there songs you're chasing that you still wish you could see live well, because of the, I've seen every UK tour since, yes. I think, the reunion anyway. I was at ATA. I wasn't at the other yep. band. It would probably be, for me, either Tunnel of Love or other band songs yes. with the E Street Band. So stuff like Lucky Town, Roll of the Dice, yeah, Human Touch. And, yes, particularly Tunnel of Love songs because that one maybe suffers from 80s production a little bit to right. me. I'd love to hear that with like Neil's on a pedal steel and stuff like that. So that would yeah. be interesting to me. Um, but I've seen all my favorite songs, to be honest. I think I've seen a lot of classics. I've seen darkness in full mm-hmm. born to run in full. So yeah, it would be though the sort of weird hole of the other band songs. I think Good. I'd be interested in checking off. All right. What's uh, yours or am I allowed to not ask that? Is no, that- no, no, no. <laughs> you can ask anything you want. Um, yeah. Better Days is one of my oh, favorite yeah. songs. See, there's one. There's that, one for me. That I, I would love to hear. Um, yeah. It is it, – if people ask you your favorite Bruce songs, I usually say Better Days, Land of Hope and Dreams, and the third changes all the time. Mm. The first seven shows I went to, I'd never seen Thunder Road live. And yeah. since then, I've seen it every night. So <laughs> I've only heard Girls in Their Summer Clothes. And, oh, that and is one. Once. I, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I only heard Mary's place once. I would love to see that again. The, from that promise box set ain't good enough where he talks about Jimmy Iveen. That oh, would be yeah. a fun song to see. Yeah. Um, 
That's yeah. one of his best albums as well, Promise. I've got it on vinyl. Yeah, it is. Just it is. Um Love it. A couple of things from the river, like uh Lion's Den would be fun, where the bands oh, yeah. are. That's a fair bingo card, right? That that's pretty good. I yeah. forgot about um Girls in the Summer Clothes. That I mean, for me, the the twenty first century songs of his are always for me, Long Walk Home and Girls in the Summer Clothes. And they're from a Brendan O'Brien album. And earlier I was just yeah, which them. you just missed it, yeah. Um, yeah I don't but know. they are brilliant. I, I'd have to look. I don't think I've seen Long Walk Home either. I, I would have to look. You know, I, my first musical obsession was Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys. Oh, so to hear Girls cool. in Their Summer Clothes feels mm. like a Beach Boys song. It feels like a Brian Wilson song. And then there's Letter to You that you just go, that would be so much fun to hear. So, mm-hmm. any, you know, any of those. And I'm hoping we're going to get them. So, Steve, before I get Thanks, to the yeah. Harry question, <laughs> any, anything else I should have asked you that I haven't? uh i think we've done pretty well here <laughs> i think so yeah this has been yeah. a fun conversation well and the reason i ask is i had a mm. i had someone once um we finished mm. and uh after i hit stop the recording he said oh next time i should tell you when i got drunk with the e street band and i'm like <laughs> <laughs> how do you not lead with that story <laughs> oh well actually i've met steve van Zandt. There we go. Outside okay. um, Minetta Tavern in off Bleecker Street. Minetta Road, is it? Or Minetta Street? But that was nothing. I was kind of got his... Did I get his autograph? I sort of said... I, I tried not to go with the... <laughs> I went, I yeah. love your radio show. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I was behind him with my wife. And it, you know it's him, you know? Yeah, and she exactly. Goes, yeah. She was like, you have to do this. You'll never yes. get this opportunity again. And uh, I did start talking. He said, where are you from? I said, I'm from London. And then I got interrupted by someone else who's a bit more aggressive. (laughs) And then I kind of disappeared into the lunchtime haze. Mm -hmm. And then with Nils, I kind of met him at the back of Shepherd's Bush Empire, the venue here. He plays there quite a lot in London. And it was, Mm -hmm. I was with my dad and my dad said, he's a musician. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And uh, just small exchanges. Yeah. So, um, Jay Armstrong is an honors English teacher and recently retired from the Philadelphia area. But when he was teaching, he would take two days of his honors English class and they would take Thunder Road and break it apart. They would look at all the lyrics. They would talk about the themes and the imagery Bruce uses. And then at the end of the two days, he would ask his class, does Mary get in the car? So, Steve, that is your question. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? So my answer is yes. Uh, I think how could she say no? Such a charming, if if he is talking to her with this and she gets the message, which I think she does, she's uh, on the porch and all that. So um, (laughs) the real thing for me is does she kind of, does the relationship last? So by staying in the car, I would say it probably doesn't last if we look at the narrative of Tunnel of Love and Stolen Car and the side uh, four of the river. Uh, So I'd say, yes, she gets in the car, but maybe it's a fleeting experience where they do leave town and have a good time. But, you know, nothing lasts forever. So (laughs) I'd I'd like to be an optimist and say she does. Uh, I I love that answer. We well, can love string it. together a whole album, can't you? Of yes, you can. From across forty years with that, with well, the drive all night and everything. Yeah. Well, and then like um, racing in the street, he says she sits on her daddy's porch. 
Was mm. that the same porch that she walked across? He sure could yeah, be, right? Yeah, and yeah. there's Mary's place. and Yes, it is. Uh, I, I think he knows when he drops a Mary in a song. He hasn't done it for a while, though, has he? So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if someone wants to reach you, what's the best way? Uh, so, still, yeah, that's a good question nowadays. Mahoney Returns is me on Twitter okay. and YouTube. Mahoney Returns. Loads of stuff going back 15 years on okay. both of those, probably. Um, listeners, go. Please stay safe. Be kind, and we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Brilliant. Bye. I'm